0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room podcast and BlueWire Network.
0: What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
1: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. No Mike today. And because of that, we were going to do a uh, general NBA pod first, but we want to wait for Mike to be here to do that. So I want to do uh, go in a different direction with the Lakers. This is a pod I've been wanting to do for a little bit, D, and we're going to go over the lineup, some lineup data that we find interesting. Now, I want to preface it with at least my approach to these lineups and looking at, at these numbers. And I'd love to hear yours as well. For me, these are clues, right? We're detectives and there's so much statistical noise. The sample sizes are not big, especially when you get to the five man lineups, you know, the two and three man lineups will have more minutes. And I think you can draw some more conclusions from that. But for me, D, it's something that I'm looking for clues or or something to look for on the tape. When I look at these numbers. But also there's a a degree of, you know, objective finality of it where whatever you thought, you know, in that particular game over the course of several games, this particular group performed like this against a small team, a big team, a fast team, a slow team. But over the course of the season, and especially this early in the season, the distribution of, of minutes is rather small. You don't get a huge sample. So how do you, before we start on the things that have stood out to us in these numbers, can you contextualize your, your approach to them?
2: Yeah, for me, obviously, I treat things with smaller samples with less certainty around things. A lot of times, I, it works both ways for me. There are times where I think I'm seeing something in games. And I actually want to see if the lineup information mm-hmm. or if the stats yeah. back that up. Yeah. Like, one thing that we may not get to this pod, but I've thought for a while, like, man, this starting lineup with Avery Bradley and DeAndre Jordan, like, I don't think they're great defensively. I think that they've definitely had their their moments where they've looked bad, but it's just like... I don't think this team is scoring very well, right? Like, because we're not, like, yeah. They, like, they seem to be having troubles every game, like even in the game against like the Celtics, where I thought that they were like, oh, like this group's playing well, right? I thought they're not creating any like separation, right? So anyways, then <laughs> then you look at the lineup day, data and it's just like, oh, they've got like an offensive rating of like 88 or something yeah. crazy, right? And And really you're well. like, oh, okay, that backs it up. Other times you it, then other times you just start to look at the data and you're just like, oh, that's interesting. I did not expect that to be the case. Let me go back and maybe watch or I'll look for this the next game to see. And, and, and so when I start to think about the lineup data or how I use it Five man stuff is super interesting to me, but I also look a lot at like two and three man data for sure. The Lakers have some interesting four man lineup data around um, some groupings that I think start to give you hints about who should be like the closers. And, and and so there's a lot of stuff that I look at when it comes to the lineup stuff that is just sort of like, oh, that's interesting. Or is that backed up by the tape or does the tape actually lead us to something else? And it's all just sort of interesting. I do think we're early in the season a little bit, but um, and the Lakers injuries have thrown a lot of stuff off. That's why For the sure. five man data, like one of the things that we were talking about before we started to, to record, right, was like the lakers most used lineup this season has played 49 minutes together and it
1: involves tht who's been injured for most of the season right they've that that even with all of those uh, missed games you know like Talon's part of our most used lineup it really speaks to the injury issues
2: yeah and and also too it also speaks to well if tht is in that lineup vogel clearly thinks that this lineup's working right so so there's like a little bit of that to it as well right where it's just like okay well this dude just came back and he's already in one of in a lineup that Vogel's gone to a fair amount let's start with that lineup actually as as the most used lineup it's also a positive lineup which is not true of a lot of our higher minute (laughs) lineups right they are I have it right here Pete so 49 minutes for that group I'm sure you have it up too so so why don't you share with us some of these numbers
1: Should cool so uh, that group, uh, Russ, Avery Bradley, THT, Mello, and AD have played 49 minutes together, have an offensive rating of 114.2, a defensive rating of 99.1, and a net so a net rating of plus 15.1. Again, this is one of our very best lineups, uh, and it's really encouraging that Vogel has—let uh, uh, me rephrase that. Uh, so, so yeah, this is our most used lineup, which really speaks to LeBron's injuries. And so that's what I think we can get the most data out of right now are the Russ and AD lineups. And this is an example of, of one that I think conceptually they fit together. Um, I want to talk a little more about the Russ and THT combo in particular, but a lot of our best lineups have mellow next to AD. And then a lot of really kind of rough lineups have mellow next to, to Dwight or somebody else that does not have the defensive talents of an AD. But, I've noticed that group in particular, when you were talking a moment ago about our inability to score, that offensive rating of 114.2 stands out to me. And one of the things that stood out to me with that group in particular is having Russ on one side of the court and Talon on the other to kind of put a barrage on the rim is yeah. really important. And then having Mello in those groups, like mello has been the one guy where you look across our most important lineups, the, alongside Russ and AD, alongside LeBron, Russ and AD, right? That he's really a positive all over the place so he's kind of the guy that's that archer that's out there to clean up on all of that pressure on the rim talk to me about what you've seen because that's that lineup in particular is really fresh in our memories because those five games that you're talking about are the last five games
2: yeah and also too they just closed out that game against detroit right Mm -hmm. where that team had a lot of success and it's one of the reasons why that lineup like the sample so small that a performance like the one against detroit where the lakers won that quarter by what 17 or 21 points right Mm -hmm. 20 yeah that group probably outscored the opponent by at least 12 or 15 over the course of that quarter. And so that's going to boost up some of those ratings, both on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. I think, though, when you look at lineup up data as well, like the skill set fit is super important to me. And I think the idea yeah. of Mello as the stretch forward next to AD, who can also space himself a little bit, but then is the defensive cleanup guy. The thing about both Russ and THT, and I want to get to this within the context of LeBron as well, Russ and THT have been, I think, the Lakers' two best players of forcing action to the rim in transition and early offense situations. Yeah, where easy buckets, they, yeah. where Well, even outside of getting the basket, of sort of hunting those rim opportunities where they don't actually look like they're there initially, right? And there is a—we always talk about pressure on the rim in terms of half-court offense, and I think that that's super important, but the Lakers are so built to get to the rim— All of the time that if they're not exploiting chances that aren't quite there in transition, then they're going to end up in more half court situations where defenses are taking stuff away
1: d we have to put pressure on defenses right away like we have to force defenses to feel like they have to be alert the entire as soon as we get the ball whether it's an outlet with the rim run we've been really successful with our sideline breaks right that outlet up the sideline and then talen has got space and he's got all those wonderful gathers where he can gather high gather low rip through then the odd you know layup angles and all of that he's a tough guy to guard in space but that's so essential to this team right is that ability to get those early looks and Put pressure on the rim early in offense before the defenses are set so that we don't have to run as many half court offensive sets in the first place.
2: Yeah, and Russ and THT epitomized that for this Lakers team. And I think that LeBron hasn't played enough games, I think, for some of his individual statistics to give us a lot of information about what he's going to be this season. But I have not, since he's returned especially, I have not gotten the sense that LeBron is super interested in playing fast. At this point, and I think we actually saw that a fair amount against the Pistons where some of the Lakers best performances came when LeBron wasn't in the game and then they really turned it on from a speed perspective after LeBron got ejected. And and so that idea of playing faster, LeBron was doing that before he got hurt. And I thought the Lakers were really starting to find something as a group there. And then he gets hurt and then it's like, oh, he missed a bunch of time and now he's just coming back. So I'm going to reserve judgment on him, even though I'm watching with a critical eye, at least, because I think that as he goes, the Lakers will go and he's a great barometer for that. But with THT especially and Russ, they can both get downhill so well in the open court that i think that lineup is going to be an interesting one long term because i think tht is a guy who he probably needs to be one of two ball handlers on the court yes. at any given time but when there's three it gets trickier we've we've talked about the idea of like two out of the
1: three of russ LeBron and AD being on the floor at all times when they're healthy but I actually think in uh, if you frame it another way that two of Russ THT and LeBron when everyone's healthy should be on the floor at all time to have those multiple ball handlers talk to me about the defensive end though with that group because that's Vogel has been searching we've tried a bunch of different types of lineups yeah man. Uh, and We've talked so much about the starters, but really the bigger problematic points of the game, although the, I would argue that being a negative when with your best guys is, is bad too, but where we've really lost the thread in a lot of games has been those end of first quarter, beginning of second quarter types of lineups. What really stands out to me about this lineup is that Melo is well-protected by four of our better defenders. Even Russ, like Russ's defense, it's not a matter of capability, right? Whereas yeah. when we talk about some of those end end of first quarter, beginning of second quarter lineups, when you got Melo out there with Monk and Ellington. And Dwight. And, and Dwight and Rondo. And yeah, Dwight's part of that conversation now too, right? It's, hey, a, foot,
2: it's a foot speed thing. Yeah, so there, there is a lack of sort of movability around the court with some of these guys. Anyways, go for ahead. Sure.
1: Let, let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll, I want to hear, hear from you about the defensive end of the floor with that group in particular. Lakers basketball is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets.
2: Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code film room.
1: So as we said, this is the most used lineup group all accrued over the last five games. It seems like something that Vogel has landed on and liked, even beyond that Detroit game. And a lot of the reasons for that would be the defensive end. Talk to me about that group. Again, you know, Russ, THT, Avery,
2: AD, and Mello. So obviously, AD in the middle of things helps, but... THT is showing that he can defend wings capably and then Bradley for all of his faults Bradley's not a bad player but he is showing more cracks than I think the eye test tells you the data backs up where Bradley is struggling more than what the eye test does I think because you really have to clue in on Bradley on any given possession to see where he might be struggling I remember we used to talk about Brad or just players in general, like Julius Randle was a player like we'll, we'll like this, where their mistakes are loud. Right. And, and we've talked about loud mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Bradley's wins are loud. Right. Yeah. And so, and his losses are heat, quiet. Yeah. 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 Like against the heat, yeah. he's getting over screens and he's contesting a Tyler hero jumper. And then that comes up short and the Lakers get the rebound and they're pushing the other way. And it's just like, Oh, look at Bradley. And that was great. It really was. And then Bradley is low man on a play. And it's just sort of like, oh, well, he can't do that really effectively. Or he got lost on a back cut and then that created a chain reaction. And so he doesn't really show up in the result because, oh, the result is a missed closeout on the opposite side of the court, but really it was because a back cut led to a sink, which led to a kickout, which led to swing, swing. And then there's no closeout and there's an open three. And what you don't realize is, is that started because Avery Bradley got beat on a back cut. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of stuff like that happening within the Lakers film that the data shows, but it shows it in, in a weird way in terms of the success of this group though, Pete, there is the right balance being struck. I think with all of the guys like Bradley can be an on ball guy. Russ can then be put more into a free safety sort of role for him. Uh, THT can be another on ball guy. Mello can do like help sort of stuff, which he's actually been fairly good at in the last like, 10 games or so like he's had some rough moments too but when he's at his best he is calling out coverages he is scramming guys out of of bad switches and and he is finding a way to stay around the paint area where he can use his size and rebound and and do some other stuff and then you've got ad who obviously when the moments get biggest i think he can be at his best defensively and he can he really can be that eraser so i see a lot of balance with that group that is leading to a fair amount of success And and an ability to do different things like they can play and drop with AB getting over screens and AD playing that sort of like he can shock the ball, but then still play no roller behind. They can switch more, right? And they can protect Mello in that because then they can run at switches like if they have to, and they can, there's a lot of versatility with that group. And so there's a nice balance there. Like, is, is that some of the stuff that you're seeing as well? It, it is. And that ability to switch in
1: particular is something that's super important because when you are switching lineup defensively, the offense's approach is normally to seek out the worst defender on the floor. And in that instance, it's almost always going to be Carmelo Anthony, But you can plan for that, right? And that's when you see us send those double teams and rotate out of that, and then the other guys off of the ball. Basically, if you have... If you are in a switching group and you've got the one guy that's clearly the worst defender and with Melo, everything you said, you know, with regards to his communication and his competitive, like he's competing for sure but he still has some athletic and foot speed limitations that can be exploited right? And so what you want defensively is you want that guy on the ball in a trap. That's the best way to hide someone like that is, you know, trap and then rotate, make one rotation back to to into the paint or wherever you need to go. That'll vary. But that group in particular is capable of doing that in a way that a lot of our other groups are not. And so one thing I'm excited about, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that that was our uh, you know, most used group, is that screams to me end of first quarter, end of third quarter type of unit. That would probably involve Bradley being moved to the bench. But I think that that group in particular having a great deal of chemistry is, is really important. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Let's switch gears, though. This kind of started with you doing some delving around. We were talking about our rebounding and I was I was complaining about, you know, we're playing too big. You know, the idea of two bigs and we're getting more defense and rebounding does not match reality. And we you know, you started to dive into the numbers a bit. And I thought you discovered something super interesting that has matched the the eye test. So uh, go for it, man. What, What do you find?
2: So you and I, to be fair, we were going back and forth a little bit in in our text <laughs> thread, right? Because there is, I think, some general frustration with the turning back of the clock, some oh, and and, and, stuff, man. and go into a bigger lineup. And Vogel's rationale was, you know, like he the the Celtics kicked the Lakers' butt in the paint and on the backboards and in the paint offensively. We know what Vogel's security blanket is his security blanket is let's just play bigger and make the other team sort of score over the top of you and we could pick apart or add more nuance to that which does pick it apart some but also speaks to where Vogel's trying to get get to and in some of the For cases sure. where that can be successful the interesting thing that i found though is that when anthony davis and deandre jordan play together in general, when they play, when they're on the court together, the Lakers are, they actually are a better rebounding team than what they've been over the course of the full regular season. Like they're rebounding, their defensive rebounding percentage goes up by like two or three points, which isn't massive, but the Lakers are a bad rebounding team. They're actually, I think in the bottom third of the league as a defensive rebounding team. And that's, problematic for a team that wants to be good at defense if you're not rebounding the ball defensively then you're giving the other team a bunch of extra chances to score against a defense that probably isn't as good as it needs to be anyway
1: yeah those are and those are like wide open threes and putbacks like putback chances are some of the most efficient offense that you can get in basketball so giving those up are is especially crucial and,
2: and so I started to dig around some and I'm just like oh man because you I, I said well you know Pete when DeAndre and AD played together, their rebounding rate goes up, and you're just like, yeah, but look at the, like, but look at the starting group, like that yeah, group that's is what terrible. I was talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. that group is terrible on the glass, and they are. They've got a defensive rebounding rate of like 66.
1: And and this starting group, uh, who's who's the starting group? Because we've had a couple of
2: them. Bradley, Russ, LeBron, AD, and DeAndre, okay. and so that group that started against the Pistons that group has like a defensive rebounding rate of 66. And I'm just like, oh, well, you're right on that. So then that's what made me start to dig into the data a little bit more and just start to say, okay, well, I wonder what the issue is. Is it Bradley? Who is it that's dragging down seemingly, that's dragging down the rebounding rate of that group? So I look, I'm like, is it Bradley? Oh, well, it's not Bradley. Is is it Russ? I wonder if it's Russ. Oh, no, doesn't look like it's Russ. And then um, it couldn't be LeBron, could it? (laughs) Oh, wait, it looks like it might be LeBron. And so it was LeBron. Like when LeBron plays with that group, their rebounding rate plummets. And when you take him away from that group, they start to rebound better. And I just thought that was super interesting. So I started to look then at on off numbers and how defensive rebounding rate is when any given player is on the floor. The lowest-ranked guy on the team, so when this player is on the floor, the Lakers rebound their worst on the defensive end, and it's (laughs) Dwight. Isn't that crazy? It it is crazy, right? And so, because you think of Dwight as a very good rebounder, he's actually very good on the offensive glass. You can... but that's, we'll get to this. And there's
1: statistical noise in this too, right? Dwight mainly plays with those, it's Monk and Ellington and Rondo, some yes. some pretty bad lineups from a rebounding perspective as well. So it's not all obviously all on Dwight. But yeah, yeah,
2: and Dwight plays two shifts a game, maybe sometimes only one. Right. And so one bad stretch can tank your numbers, right? But I found it was interesting that it's Dwight. Next up, though, is LeBron. And then next after him is Reeves. And so- I found it interesting that whenever when Dwight is on the floor or when LeBron is on the floor or, or when Reeves are on the floor, the Lakers, those are the only three players that when they're on the floor, the Lakers are grabbing fewer than 70 percent of the defensive rebounds that are available to them. And so, you know this, Pete, if you're giving up an offensive rebounding rate of 30 or more, you're bad. Oh, yeah. You're in trouble. That's the Pat Riley, no rebounds, no rings idea right there. If you're not closing out defensive possessions with with rebounds, you are in trouble. And And, and so let's go to break really quick because I really do want to explore this idea with you a little bit more about... Like, what are you seeing things on tape that are attributable, not necessarily just to LeBron, but to certain lineup types that seem to be struggling on the defensive glass, especially because that five-man group that we cited before, the THT lineup with AD and Avery Bradley, that group, they're getting like over 80% of the defensive rebounds that are available to them. They are smashing on the defensive glass. Meanwhile, it seems like if you put LeBron in that group, in favor of bradley their rebounding gets worse which doesn't seem to make sense to me but so let's go to break because i want to hear what you have to say about some of these rebounding issues and how the lineup stuff lines up with that
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
3: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: So in a global sense, I think we are a team that needs to play fast, that has a lot of slow players on it, and a with respect to our defensive rebounding and i think that dwight and lebron being at the bottom of this speaks to this to a degree but for different reasons is we're giving up a lot of longish rebounds like free throw line type rebounds that it's been interesting to learn russ's game rebounding game more and just the specifics of it russ can get you legitimate power forward center type of boards. Russ is an around the basket rebounder. And that's especially helpful in those 80 at the five lineups, like the one that you referenced that's getting, you know, like 80% of the defensive boards is that ability to be the second big down there. But oddly when we go bigger with that Russ and LeBron and AD and DJ that plummets in part, because like LeBron has, for most of the games that LeBron has played, especially as he's come back from from injury, and I think I don't think that we should minimize the impact of that. I know what LeBron looks like when he's in like third or fourth gear, and I know what fifth and sixth gear looks like too. He's been in first and second, first or second for most of the season so far, and I think that's part of the concept of the roster in the first place, right is that you've got other people that can handle the ball that can create offense. Whereas in the past, we've been so reliant on LeBron's shot creation that, you know, our defense was, was the third star, but that other guy who could fill in and create shots has been kind of elusive. And so I think that there's benefit to LeBron playing in first or second gear from a long term basis, but we're giving up a ton of rebounds in part because he's not flying around the way that he normally does. And I would, I think you could argue that that he, he shouldn't be, but I think that's all the more reason to really emphasize foot speed, which really what is what it comes down to is that it's not that LeBron is not capable of flying around all over the place, but we're trying to get to the finish line. We're trying to get to the playoffs. We're trying to be able to, and obviously that seems so far away with how poorly we've, we've played, but that is all the more reason for me to emphasize foot speed. I was thinking about, about Wes, about Wes Matthews today, guys that can run, that just run around, All the time, right? Even that, even even though he's not an individually a good defensive rebounder, that ability to cover that 10 to 15 feet from the basket, those types of rebounds, I think is super important. What are your thoughts on that, about that idea that it's really more our, our foot speed than our size when it comes to the boards?
2: I do think it's a foot speed issue. I also think it's like a player positioning issue. Like in LeBron, you talked about Russ, which I think is a keen observation that like when he goes to the glass, a lot of times it's to the paint. It, yeah, he's it, under the it, basket, like, yeah. like, it, like he's going to the restricted area to rebound a lot of times. And I'm actually going to watch for this next game. And I invite people to watch for this as well and point it out, or at least when LeBron comes back, that when the Lakers play bigger and then Russ is in the game, I wonder how many of those are like where guys are just clustered in the restricted area a bit more because that's sort of their comfort zone of where they go to to rebound. I think. Because I think about DeAndre Jordan's like that. He's typically been like a high rebound player, but you're a high rebound player because you're around the basket. You don't get to be a high rebound player necessarily because you're, you're always an out of area rebounder. Like anyways, that does help though, too. Dennis Rodman was like that, but that's how you get to 17, 18, 19 rebounds a game. That's not how you get to 12. A lot of times you get to 12 because (laughs) you're around the damn basket. AD's like that. And if LeBron is like that and Russ is like that, well, guess what? That's like four of the dudes that are on the court and they're all sort of uh-huh. in the restricted area, maybe. And so those longer rebounds that you're talking about, those ones that flare out to the foul line or go to the deep wing. It's These are off like the of three league. point shots. These are often off of three point shots, long shots, long rebounds type of stuff. Or even off of mid range shots, Pete, like when the sure. Lakers are in drop sure. coverage and a guard is pulling up around the foul line, and then big guys are challenging shots or trying to engage the ball a little bit. When those balls carry them off the rim, if the big guy is contesting and the guards are, and everyone's starting to sink down to the restricted area, any ball that bounces out to eight, nine feet, guess what? Like you're probably not there. And if you're, this is where guards who had good rebounding instincts really matter like Rajon Rondo has good rebounding instincts for the ball off of the rim. I thought Alex Caruso was like that. Lonzo ball was like that. I mm. thought Danny green was like that a little bit, right? Where it's just sort of like y- these dudes get in the mix. some, um, they put bodies on guys. They, they sort of like play with physicality and that creates more of a buffer zone around the restricted area in order for the long rebounds to be more available to you. And So I feel like the Lakers have been struggling there, and I thought it was super interesting from a lineup data perspective to sort of see how LeBron was playing into some of those lesser-performing rebounding groups. But I want to put a question back to you around this. Your advocacy for playing more foot speed. The Lakers don't have a lot of foot speed on this roster. They really don't. Like, Monk is a guy. Agreed. is a guy, but he's been out of the rotation. Reeves, I think, plays like he's not a super quick and fast guy, but he plays with high motor. And so that can sort of overlap with foot speed in in a way that is important.
1: That's part of West, right? That's part of what I was saying about West is West is not going to win a ton of foot
2: races, but West is always going to run. Yeah. and, And so who do they turn to necessarily? Right. In order to play more foot speed lineups, because guys who would win a race within the Lakers, those aren't necessarily guys that are going to win a lot of races across the rest of the league, right? Right. And, and and so Bradley may be the sixth or seventh fastest dude like on this roster, but if you put Bradley in a race with the rest of the league and you remove big men, sure, where's he going to finish? Probably closer to tenth on your average team, right?
1: Yeah, he's not a he's not one of the, the faster players that you have out there, and that's that's probably. I think the biggest hole on this roster is that it's very much constructed to be a running team and we've got a lot of slow players <laughs> you yeah. know and so that's something that that is problematic that's also part of the reason why downshifting size-wise is important so that you can help do that. And you brought up Baze. I like We talked about Baze right before he got pulled from the starting lineup, but he got pulled from the whole rotation. I think Baze is important in this foot speed idea, right? That somebody that can cover distance, that can, you know, and Baze has a, a motor. Sometimes the motor goes off way too far in one direction, for sure. But I think that, that he's a guy that can be reintroduced into those. And I've actually been surprised with Vogel's defensive proclivities that he's trotted out so many Monk and Ellington and Mellow and Dwight yeah. type of lineups when you've got a guy like Baze sitting on the side as well.
2: Well, this goes back to, and this is where I don't want to pile on Vogel here. Uh, this is where it comes back to some of the stuff where we're like, like, what are the good answers? Right. And so Vogel's been talking more about like, oh, I'm trying to get offensive spacing. I'm trying to get more offensive guys on the court. And Bays, if you're ranking them, Bays is going to fall behind in Ellington and Mm -hmm. a monk. Right. And then when you start to look at some of the tape, it's just like, okay, well, is Bays as good or as understanding of what the scheme requirements are as Avery Bradley? And so now there's another guy who you might. Sure. if, If if Ty goes to the runner then Bradley's the runner here because he's the guy who has had experience with, with Vogel. And so it's it's a tricky spot. This team has too many guards. And when THT came back, someone was going to leave the rotation. And we still got Reeves and Nunn ready to come back at yeah. some point too that's going to contribute to that. Long term, and I know this isn't an area that you're going to comment on a bunch, and if Mike was here, I'd just be talking by myself, which is how it normally goes sometimes and in way. <laughs> but I'd be surprised if this is the version of the lakers roster that we see after the trade deadline i would too yeah and there's an imbalance with the team that i think is standing out in in ways that how much it's impacting winning i think is hard to say but i think it is right and um it gets back to a tricky part about roster evaluation and then finding the right balance between who should be playing, when they should be playing, what skills they bring to the table, what skills they take off the table, and and finding the right ingredients when it's like an episode of Chopped, right? Where it's just like, okay, well, here's the basket. these, And there is no pantry. So right there, there's... Make it work. <laughs> yeah, make it work. A- and find me an edible meal within this. And some games you... Catch lightning in a bottle with like that group that closed out against the Pistons or with the way that the starters played in the first quarter against Boston or with there's a middle portion of a game here where it's just like, oh, that group looked great. Yeah, let's let's try that more. Yeah. And then you go back to it and maybe like, oh, well, what what changed here? And it's because player the level the level which players play isn't static and also your competition there's so much noise right there's so
1: many conditions in which this lineup data that we talk about is created and that's why you can't hold it as this like oh you must play this group because they are a plus 25 or whatever but i do think that especially early in the season it gives us clues and i've been very very much you know of the mind that we're playing there's a mismatch between our playing style and our roster yeah but even once we, and that's why it's so important to play the style that the roster is built to play, and that's why we were talking the other day about like an evaluation period of like when do you make moves, when do you look to make tweaks, and I think it's important to have for the for the playing style and the roster to lock into place for a fifteen to twenty game stretch or so at the very least, just so you can be like, all right, this works, this doesn't work, but there's kind of this compounding factor of. Like, how do you evaluate? I always go to the NFL analogy of a team running a three-four defense with four-three personnel, and then it's like, oh, this four-three defensive end is getting killed in this three-four scheme. Let's replace him, and it's like, no, no, no. Let's run the four-three first and yeah. see, like, what he can do well, what he doesn't doesn't do well, and then we can evaluate and and make adjustments around that. But anyway, this did not get as statistical as I, I thought it was going to. But I, I love uh, these types of conversations that that kind of send us down a certain path, right, of which there are thousands in basketball. It's part of what makes the game so interesting, but uh, we'll be back tomorrow. we got the Knicks tonight, no LeBron, uh, and then the Pacers on Wednesday, uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
2: James has got it in low to Mikhail. Mikhail wants to turn double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly.
3: Magic scores. There's
2: Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good!
3: That's for the winner. It's on the way. down! No! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker
0: fans okay, stand so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed.
3: A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe hard to believe. Are that you kidding
0: me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane.
3: Back for Gasol. pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Goal. Two, one. miss it!
0: it. Unbelievable. One the It's over. I got popped out of five. Oh, yeah. Bryant. Yeah!